Well, we're in fight, or we're in week two of our fight series, Liz mentioned, and we kicked off the series last week. We got to hear Chris Flores share uh, some of his story about how fighting was a part of his life as he was growing up, and we haven't heard the end yet. We're going to get to hear that in a few weeks as he wraps that up and shares some more about what fighting looks like in his life right now. And Pastor John pointed out that fighting is a common theme throughout Scripture, that God, in fact, fights for us. We see that in Exodus chapter 14, and Scripture clearly tells us that there are things in life that are worth fighting for. They're worth fighting for. And, and we define the word fight, and for our purposes in this series, a fight means a violent confrontation or a struggle. And if you weren't here last week, uh, the message is online. I'd encourage you to go check it out and listen to it. Uh, it's really good. Uh, today we're going to continue, and we're going to look at fighting within our roles in the family, and, and hopefully in a good way, because we can have bad fighting, we can have good fighting. But we do want to fight for our kids here. So I'm a dad, and I've been a dad for 19 years today. 19 years today. It's Jacob's birthday. And uh, yeah, those of you that didn't know, like Jess and I had Jacob when we were 15 years old. And yeah, that would be kind of crazy. But no, seriously, for, for uh, those of you that don't know us, Jess and I, we have four boys, and we had them really close together. So Jacob had just turned three, not even a month before the twins were born. So he had just turned three, Zachary was one, and then Noah and Riley were zero when they came onto the scene. And, and life got a little crazy, and I thought we were nuts, but then I look out and I see some of you guys, and I think you guys are even crazier than we were. But lots of fun, lots of fun. But I would have to say, I've evolved a lot as a father over the last 19 years or so. God has a way of doing that and, and uh, just helping sanctify us through some of this stuff as you realize our own selfishness. And over the next couple of weeks, I think you'll get to hear some of my own failures in the process, which is exciting. But how many of you know this verse from Proverbs chapter 22? It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Isn't that a great verse? Isn't that a great promise? Oh, it's a great promise, except it, it's not a promise. Doesn't that stink? It's not a promise. It's something that's called a, a wisdom proverb, which more or less means that it's likely if you do this, but it, it's not guaranteed. So we can be doing all of the right stuff and be raising our kids just perfectly, doing all the right things, but the decision on where they go and what they do and whether or not they're going to follow Jesus is up to them. And then plus, our ideas of training can vary a lot, and not all training is created equal, Right? Like, have, has anyone ever tried to train a dog? Yeah. You know, no matter what, I, I talk to dog owners, and they insist that their dog is trained. Yeah, you all know what I'm talking about, because it's not trained. It's not trained, and it, it's almost kind of humorous watching them go after their, their dog. Like, they're like, come here, Rex, come here, Rex. And then he comes, and then he, like, starts running off, and they're, like, trying to chase him and get him down, and, and they say that this dog is trained, right? Like, uh-uh, that is not trained. Or they, they get excited, and they jump all over you, and their paws are full of God knows what. You know, that, that's not a trained dog. I've seen it done right, and I've seen it done not so well. 
but it's just kind of funny. But it just kind of shows that not all training is equal. And the idea of training is something that I didn't really appreciate when I just started my fatherhood journey. Uh, I did not appreciate it at all. I didn't think I needed it. I thought it was kind of silly. And, and when Jacob was born, I was like, what's the big deal? Like, my parents raised me, and I turned out just fine. <laughs> and don't argue with that, because I know some of you are thinking otherwise. <laughs> all right, this is kind of mean of you. But in all honesty, like, it's, it's really not so easy, is it? Like, there's a lot to it. There's a lot to it. And I've made a lot of mistakes, and I'm sure my boys could tell you stories. So if you want to hear, just go and talk to them after, after the service. They would be happy to tell you. But how many parents do we have here today? How many parents? Lots and lots of parents and grandparents. A good number of grandparents. Uncles, aunts. Anybody who knows a child? <laughs> Hopefully that's everybody. Hopefully it's everybody, and I think that's important because we all have a stake in this. We all have influence, and today I'm, I'm going to be addressing more parents kind of specifically, but I think all of us have a part in this. Um, grandparents, you've got a part in, in, in helping your kids, in helping your kids, and also your grandkids, and all of us. Like, we can encourage parents. We can encourage the kids that we see, like downstairs in Kid Connect. We all have a role. Now, for all of us who have had children— I think we can acknowledge that there are highs and lows of parenting, right? Like, there's some really good times during the mountaintops, but when you see, like, little Johnny, and he's throwing a little tantrum in the Walmart checkout aisle, and you're you're not saying, oh, look at Johnny, he's so cute, look at what he's doing. That's not how it works. So there are highs and lows. I remember... One of our boys, he used to throw tantrums when he was like two, and he would, not in the Walmart, hopefully, maybe, probably, but he was in the living room, and he'd be sitting on the floor, and he'd be like angry and doing stuff, and he would like look behind him to make sure there's nothing behind him, and he'd throw himself back when he realized that there was nothing behind him. So like they know a little bit of what's going on. But that's not the cutest thing in the world, Right? And for those of you that have had or will have the joy of teenagers, this is what Mark Twain had to say. He said, when they are 13, put them in a barrel and nail the lid shut. Then feed them through the knothole. When they are 16, plug the knothole. So words of wisdom there. Just warning, if you do this, I did not tell you to do it. This is just what he said, okay? So nobody blame me for anything. But here's the thing. We live in a culture that is heading in the opposite direction of God's design for families. Would you agree? It's heading in a different direction. So in today's world, whenever we talk about family, that can mean a bunch of different things, right? Uh, we might think of the, the sister wives. I think of my two dads, and I think there's a book called My Two Mommies, which was kind of controversial for a while. And, and so to clarify, when we are talking about a family— We hold to the biblical standard of one man, one woman, husband and wife, and their offspring. Jesus said, from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he says, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. However, while we hold to this standard, I also want to be clear that God loves 
and he reaches out to every single one of us, and every single one of us has a sin problem. We all have sin issues in our lives, and we're all in need of a Savior. Amen? And the church has had sometimes a tendency to, to single out sins like homosexuality, and we've also had a tendency to ignore some of the sins that, that we are much more familiar with, things like greed and selfishness, gossip, gluttony, things that are personal to us, and, and that's not right. It's not right. So hear my heart in this. Jesus died for all, and everyone is welcome here. Jesus never turned away anyone who was seeking, and we won't do that either. We're not going to do that. However, we also will not compromise the truth in God's word. It is a standard that we strive to live by. And even when it points a finger at some of our own stuff in our own hearts. Okay? All right. Let's talk about parenting. According to Barna, 78% of parents believe that raising kids today is more complicated than it was in the past. And the world is continually changing, and new things, new technologies have surfaced that, that we never had to deal with growing up. And they have this snowball kind of effect. that They have these tentacles that seem to reach out into every part of our lives. An example that Liz mentioned was social media, which is right at the top of just about every parent's frustration. Trying to know what to do what, with social, frustra- or social media and how that should be used in, in our homes. And so here's what we're going to do in the next couple of weeks. When we talk about parenting, see, we have the tendency to zoom way in. And we look at very specific topics, very specific issues. And what happens is we get so focused on this immediate issue, like how do I solve this problem? How do I fix this? But how many of you would agree that our job really isn't to fix our kids' problems? It's not to fix their issues. But it's to train them and develop them to think for themselves to make good choices, to navigate the world around them. It's all about building their character. And what I want to do is I want to take that lens and I want to zoom out quite a bit because God sees a much bigger picture than we do. Would you agree? He sees a much bigger picture than we do. And we can get so consumed into the details that we lose sight of that bigger picture. So today we're going to take kind of a high-level glance and talk about a couple of key concepts, and next week we're going to kind of dive in a little bit more and get into a little more, more detail. But again, this isn't specific to just parents. I think this can encompass multiple facets of life, no matter what stage we're in. Okay? So obviously when we're raising kids, we, again, we, we look at the day-to-day activities. Like when they're babies, it's all about um, feeding them, changing their diapers, make sure they get enough sleep. When they are toddlers... A lot of times it's about trying to keep them out of things so that they don't die. Right? And when they're adolescents and they're still boys, it's still about keeping them from doing stupid stuff so that they don't die. That's the reality. When they're teenagers, we start worrying about school a little more, about dating, and looked forward to the day when they're out of the house and we can be free. No, actually, when, I was, when they were younger, I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait. And now that they're really close to that age, um, that idea is actually it's a lot harder for me. 
and I kind of struggle with that. I'm not as excited about that. But some of us during these years, we can, we're focused on parenting, and we're actually preparing them for adulthood. And we're teaching them to be responsible and getting them ready for the years after, which I think is great. But I want to zoom out even a little further, because I think this will help us gain a little bit more perspective. I'm just looking at a couple of general principles in the Bible. Let's look at Psalm 24, verse 1. David says, The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world and all its people, belong to him. So we own nothing, we have nothing, and the psalmist says that even the people belong to God. And so as parents, this is really significant because we tend to think of our children as our own, don't we? And I don't think there's really anything wrong with that. I, I tell my boys all the time, you know, like, you're my boys, and, and there's nothing that you can do to change that. You're always going to be my sons, and I love you no matter what. But on the other hand, it, it is different because I only have them for a season. And really, they're God's. They're God's. They belong to him. Which means that I'm really, I'm just a steward. And I get to train them, I get to guide them, but they're God's. So big principle number one is we are stewards to God of our children. Another verse, Jeremiah chapter 1. God is telling Jeremiah, he says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. And this is important because God knew our children just like he knew us before we were ever born. Before we were ever born. They don't exist solely for this world, but for the world to come. And so basic principle number two is our children are eternal beings. They're eternal. And our children can live way beyond the short years of this life just like we can. And one day they will stand before God and they will give an account for how they've lived their life just like us. And are we preparing them for that moment? Because that is a moment that sets really the rest of their life. Not the few years that they're here on earth. So principle number one, we're stewards of God of our children. Principle number two, our children are eternal beings. Your mind's blown. Yeah, you're like, yeah, I knew that already. Good. But it brings us to a big point. In our fight for kids, we always want to fight for perspective. Because it's so easy to get, to, to get caught up in the current of culture where everything is instant gratification, everything is geared toward this life, having the good life now. And even if we're training and preparing them for, for when they fly the nest and they're out on their own, that's insufficient. It's insufficient because the most important decisions of their lives would be how and if they follow God. And if we're so focused on just this life, we completely miss the picture. And we've got to be intentional, intentional about training our kids. So this is like not new stuff, but I, you know that I need to be reminded of this again and again because I lose sight of it. And so when we come here together, it's not always about learning new stuff, but it's being reminded of the truth in God's word and evaluating where we are in this life and say, hey, you know what? There are things I've got to change because I've lost sight of what really matters in life. Psalm 127.4 says that children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. But where are we pointing them? Do you ever shoot like a bow and arrow? Kind of draw that bow back? 
the thing of it is we have to be facing where we're directing, where we're pointing that arrow. We've got to be in the same direction. If we're facing one way and we're trying to show our kids this way, it doesn't work, does it? It's a lot harder. So we want to have our feet in the same direction. And that's why it's good to look at at where we're spending the majority of our time, where our focus is. Like, we can be so focused on things in this world, like academics and school. It's a big thing. And I know just from being in a rush that there are so many kids that are so stressed about school and so stressed about what's going to happen, how they're going to get into college and grades and all this stuff. And that's not a bad thing. But sometimes we can put so much pressure on these things that ultimately aren't the most significant things. Or, Or sports. And you know they got to get this big college, college uh, scholarship, right? Thank you, because the word was evading me. A college scholarship so that they can, again, they're trying to set their lives up right, but we can put so much pressure, so much emphasis on things that really don't matter when we lose perspective and we're not teaching the, the most important things. And so our role is absolutely so important because we can train and we can change generations and generations and generations to come. Because what we do and how we influence our kids now, it doesn't affect just them, but multiple generations after them. Yeah, and they can have a godly legacy or they can have a selfish one. Where are we pointing them? And so we want to fight for perspective all the time. We want to point them toward God And we want to lead them with eternity in mind, always. Uh, Craig Rochelle is the pastor of Life Church. He said, A parent's priority is to gradually transfer a child's dependence away from the parents until their dependence rests solely on God. So it's not about teaching them to be independent, even though that's that's a big American value. We want to think independence, right? But that's not God's. And part of training up a child is knowing exactly what we're training them for. Because if we don't understand what the end goal is, we have very little chance of success. We're training them for eternity. We're training them to live a godly life and become dependent on God. Now, one of the biggest passages in Scripture about raising our kids is found in the book of Deuteronomy. Those of us who have been in church for our lives have probably heard this before. But I'm going to read this from the Message Bible. It says, love God, your God, with your whole heart. Love him with all that's in you. Love him with all you've got. Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you, and then get them inside your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Tie them on your hands and foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on the doorposts of your homes and on your city gates. So there are two big takeaways from this passage, really, to live out as parents, to live out as people of God. We are to to love God with all of our heart. All of our heart. And we are to lead and teach our families to do the same. That's the gist of it. We're told to love God with all of our heart. But how many of us, if we were really honest, would acknowledge that we don't really love God with our whole heart? We might love him with a little bit of our hearts. Just a little bit, not all of it. And perhaps one of the worst things that we can do as parents is to expose our kids to just a little bit of God. Just a little bit of God. 
What do I mean by that? How many of you have gotten a flu shot? Some of us? Do you know what that is? How that works? When you get a flu shot, you're actually getting injected with the flu. They're injecting the flu right into your arm. But just a little bit. Just a little bit. And just that little bit makes you immune to the whole thing. And I wonder if there are many of us who give our kids just a little bit of the things of God and they end up becoming immune to his goodness and to his love, to his majesty, and they don't really ever get to know him in an intimate and personal way, never in a life-changing way. And for, I know there's some parents that they don't want to teach their kids about religion or where to go because they want them to figure that out for themselves. That's completely against Scripture. We've got to lead them to love God with all our heart and then lead our families to do the same. And part of that is by training. Have you ever watched how babies learn? Aren't babies cute? Yeah, not all of them. (laughs) But some of them are definitely cute. But they learn by watching and mimicking. They're watching you. They're watching our movements. They're, They're watching how you move your mouth. And you can make all these stupid noises. Right? It just looks stupid. People look dumb. And, you know, I kind of wonder if sometimes that's why it takes them much longer to learn actual words. Because you guys are talking stupid things to them. But that's how they learn. They watch you. They mimic you. And then... You know, they, they watch how you grab for things when you want them, and they learn that they can reach for things to grab them. They, they watch you so they learn how to walk. And for you parents out there, have you ever been shocked by something that you saw your kid do or something that they said or maybe the tone that they said it in? And you're like, oh my gosh, where did they learn that? They learned that from me. I never taught them that. Yes, you did. They saw you. They learn by watching us. And there's an official term for this. It's called observational learning. Observational learning. Stephen Covey, the author of The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, said, what you do has far greater impact than what you say. It's kind of a parent's worst nightmare sometimes. Because they're really good at saying stuff, but not always so good with the do part of it. Ralph Waldo Emerson, you've probably heard this quote. He said, your actions speak so loudly that I cannot hear what you say. And even the Apostle James wrote that faith without works is dead. It's about what you do. It's about our actions. The things that we do or don't do are teaching our kids about God. And what do they teach about our priorities? Is God at the center? Is God at the head? And and what do we teach them about God's importance in our lives by how we spend our time. By how we spend our resources. Now there's a cultural shift that has happened since I was a kid. Um, One of these is a frequency that we go to church. Because when I was a kid, and maybe it was just my ruthless parents, when I was a kid, when the church doors were open, you were there all the time. And nowadays it's, it's totally common for families to come like once or twice a month. And that's weird to me. And I get that there are things in, in this life, I think, jobs, it, it is harder now to do that because our, our culture does not value Sundays like they used to. But at the same time, we've got to be really careful about 
how much time we're missing. I get that sometimes job things happen, sometimes things come up, sometimes you just need a break, that's cool. But if we're making this a pattern because we're just too tired or the weather isn't just perfect or or job is always getting in the way, or kids' sports things are getting in the way all the time. Like, that's a pattern, and I wonder what that is really teaching our kids about, about God and about uh, just coming in and, and spending time with him and with his people. That has a lot to say, and our kids are going to watch that. They're going to like, okay, you don't value this time. That must mean that you don't really believe this. You don't really want to live this out. It has an effect. Are we generous givers? Do we believe in helping others and supporting the work of ministry and the spread of the gospel? Because our kids are going to pick up on that stuff. What are we doing? Do we claim to follow God and even try to teach our kids to do the same, yet we don't do what he says? And then we wonder why when we tell them to do something, they don't think they have to listen to us. Yeah, that kind of stinks. That's a hard one. But as a dad, I know there are times I've got to, I've had to humble myself and tell my kids, you know, I haven't been doing this right. I have not been focused on the right things, and I'm going to change. Right? You'll probably hear more about that next week. But are we, like we sang a song this morning, Lord, I want to be like you. All I want is to be like you. And are we living that life? Are we living that here? Are we living that in our homes? Are we the same person? Here as we are at home. Because they're watching. Things like how we treat our spouse. Can we say through our actions that we love and honor them? Or have we even giving up, given up meaningful relationship with them because we just we gave up? We think it's not going to happen and we're kind of isolated We're disconnected from one another, but somehow we think we can have a strong family by focusing more on our kids or putting our kids before our spouse. Dennis Rainey said something I heard a couple weeks ago. He said that no family will ever be stronger than your marriage. And from my experience, I would have to agree with that. Our kids cannot be the focus and how we love our spouse, speaks, it speaks volumes because whether or not, whether we like it or not, how we love informs our children how God loves. And dads, especially you. How we love informs our children how God loves. Some of us are still scarred from the love or the lack of love that we received while we were growing up. And it's hard for us to picture God as a loving God because we didn't see that when we were growing up. And there are some of us who can show God's love to other families. Like at Rush, Kid Connect, there are families with uh, broken homes, uh, broken situations. They don't have a God's example at home, and they know that. And sometimes they come to Rush or they come to this stuff so that they can have somebody who cares about them, where they know that they matter. And we can look in on that, and we can be the examples of God's love to them because they might know you guys love God and you guys love each other well. My family doesn't. And they might know that, but they can look to see what God's love might be modeled or what it looks like through your example. We all have a part. 
Actions speak louder than words, and what we do says so much. Because our kids, they're not listening to us as much as they're watching us. And we can even do a lot of good things. We can do a lot of great things for our families, but if we're careful, we can become child-centered rather than God-centered. And our lives can revolve around our children rather than revolving around God. And we've got to be careful because it's our job to lead them. To lead them. God placed us in that role and our influence affects multiple generations. So we want to train our children to manage God's money. We want to train them to carefully select their friends, to to guard their minds, and to fear God. We want to set the example because we're the standard. We are the standard. And it's not just about our actions. It's so easy to get focused on actions because that's that's the part that we see. But it's so much more. It's a heart. Are we nurturing their hearts right? And are we cultivating their hearts, the hearts that God has given to us to do that? And are we paying attention to our own in the process? We want to fight to lead a life that's worthy of the calling that God has given us. Now at Southside, we want to partner you. We want to partner with you. We want to fight with you. Liz said it well. But here's the reality. It's not our job. It's not our job. It's yours. And I would challenge you to go in Scripture and try to find any place that says otherwise. It's not our job. But we're in this together. And we want to help in any way that we can. That's why I've got tools. Liz with Kid Connect, they've got a bunch of tools that can hand out to parents. That's why we have Kid Connect downstairs. That's why we do Rush. And that's why we're looking at other ways that we can help you to do this well, to have strong families because it's so important. All right? So here's the thing. We talked about two things. We talked about perspective, having the right perspective. We want to zoom out, recognizing that we are stewards to God for our kids. They are eternal. And our job is to prepare them for the moment that they stand before the Lord and give account of their lives. That is number one. Because they can live millions of years after that makes 80 years seem like dust in the wind, man. And number two, we want to love God with all our hearts and we want to lead our families to do the same. And the thing is, we can't lead someone where we haven't been. We can't lead someone where we have not been. It starts with us. We are the example. Wherever we're at, so here's what I want to do for, for just a minute. See, we can come to church, and a lot of times we come and we sit, we listen to the message, and we might say, oh, that was a great message today, or maybe it's like, yeah, he really didn't. That was boring. Whatever the case. But we can come and we can be consumers of information, right? And the thing is, tomorrow, you're not going to remember 90% of what I said today. Next week, you're not going to remember 99% of what I said, maybe all of it. And I'm right there with you because I can't, it'll probably be an hour or two and I don't remember anything because I've got a bad memory. But the good thing is that we're not here to just accumulate information. We're here to meet with God. And there may have been something that I said that, that triggered something in your life that God wants to speak into. And so the goal when we come together is to just take one thing If God has spoken into an area of your life, we want to take one thing and say, okay, God, you have said this, and I want to respond to what you are telling me. 
and take that one thing to commit to do it, and then might have a takeaway. You take away every Sunday, and you're just working on that one thing for the rest of the week. And that's great because that means we're growing. If we do that 50 times in a year, that's awesome. That's growth. But we want to respond to what God is doing, okay? Now, some of us, if we listen to it, I don't think really much of this is new at all. Maybe some funny things. It's great. But you know that you might be doing all of this right. You might be loving God with all your heart, teaching your kids. You might have the right perspective, and that's great. And you might say, like, I don't, nothing came out. That's awesome. And you know that God wants to affirm us sometimes? Like, he wants to affirm us for the good things that we do. It's not always just getting on our case for the bad things. But he wants to affirm us. So maybe if none of this is clicking and you're doing everything right, maybe he just wants to frame you and say, great job, well done. He wants to give you a high five. And he says, look, think about what things may have been like if you hadn't been doing this, if you weren't on the right path. Great job. And then for others of us, maybe there was something a little bit that he wants to speak into. And that's good too. And, and recognize that God does not guilt and shame us into doing anything, but he always invites us. He welcomes us. He invites us into a relationship with him. And he often challenges us in some way to respond as he invites. So I want to leave us with just maybe 30 seconds or so and just kind of process real quickly if something came out triggered that you want to do, you want to change. Maybe it's going and encouraging a family Maybe it has something to do with your own. Just go ahead and you can write that down. You can make a mental note. And hopefully, like, this will be something that we'll be doing or you will be doing as you leave these doors and you respond to what God has for you, okay? encourage you to. I know some of us are some grandparents, um, some parents who feel like it's too late, like they've missed it, um, and they don't know what to do, and I just want to encourage you, it's not too late. Like maybe they're not home with you, but you can still show God's love, you can pray for them, you can admit some of your mistakes. As a dad, I'd I know that's made a huge difference, just being able to humble myself before my kids and say, hey, I messed up. And if there's a long history where things haven't gone well, maybe it might take time for the restoration to happen. But it's not the end. It's not the end. In just a minute, let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your abundant love. 
your love that uh, gently corrects us, that teaches us. Lord, we thank you for your word, which is a standard. It, it, it teaches us your heart. And God, I pray for every person here, Lord, that, that you would help us to hear you, that you would empower us to, to respond, to respond well, that you would empower us to, to trust in you and to live lives that are worthy of the call you've given us. God, teach us patience, teach us humility, and help us find perspective if we've lost it. And speak into those areas in our lives where you want to do a work. Lord, we think that you're always working and you just invite us to respond to what you're doing already. God, we ask you to have your way in our hearts to make us more like you in everything we do. You would change our thinking. You would change our actions. That you would change everything inside us so that we would reflect more the life of Jesus and the love that you have. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.